It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you to make better financial decisions in your life. And I gave a warning, it must be like eight, 10 months ago, about it first was just something people in tech security were talking about, and now has become a widespread problem that is a vulnerability you need to be aware of, of something you might just do routinely without really even thinking about it. Also, the big cell phone companies have now made it prohibitively expensive. What a ripoff for you to use your phone when you travel overseas. And I want to tell you the latest advice, at least for now, and how you should handle this because your goal in life should not be to make the stockholders of Verizon, AT&T, or Deutsche Telekom that owns T-Mobile to make those three companies richer than they already are. It's your money. I want it in your pocket, not in theirs. So let's talk danger. This is real danger that is something that you're like, you give me something else I have to be worried about. I'm sorry, I've got to. Criminals, without too much sophistication, have figured out how to burrow themselves into your life and steal money from you or be able to load viruses on your cell phone that could unlock the keys to the kingdom of really doing ugly identity theft or theft of funds or takeover of accounts you have. And it's something so innocuous that you just won't believe it. But the simple QR code, the bullseye kind of codes that are popping up all over the place have become fertile ground for criminals to steal. And again, they don't have to be sophisticated because the very design of QR codes was so brilliant in its underlying simplicity that it gave the ability versus the old-fashioned barcode. It was a pretty linear thing. With QR codes, so much can be in that QR code that I'll give you an example. One of the early warnings we had of the problems with QR codes came from parking lots. You know how you'd go to a private parking lot, or it could even be a government parking space, you know, a city parking space on the street. And they used to have meters. But now you go to a sign and you scan it, you scan that QR code to then pay. Well, enterprising criminals figured out sometime back in 22 that they could print out an adhesive sticker very easily, put it over the QR code on the metal sign. And when you scan it and you pay You're paying the criminal, not the municipal parking or the private parking lot. And then suddenly you come back and your car is booted or towed from a lot where you already paid for parking, but you didn't pay them. You paid a crook. And that's where this all started when it was first on my radar, I guess about a year and a half ago. Now the criminals have gotten so enterprising, all different kinds of places they're doing it. Number one is when you get a text on your phone 
saying there's a problem with your delivery from Amazon or whoever, and there's a QR code there, and you're supposed to scan it and go somewhere or whatever. Where are you going? Straight to a criminal's website. I read a briefing by an expert professor in the computer science at University of Tennessee that went into more detail than any of us really probably needed to know about how QR codes work, but I read it because I wanted to understand more about this. What was really stunning about the professor's article, I, I would botch his last name, but I'll say it anyway, Ruodi, Scott Ruodi, anyway, about his article is how easy it is for basically an amateur to use this QR code scam either in a physical location to put fake QR codes over an existing one and either load a virus or steal information from you. And you might even be able to pay a bill at a restaurant or whatever with the QR code or order with the QR code. But underlying it, the criminal has loaded a virus. This is something, this is one of those things that, gosh, it was such a great thing being able to do all this stuff instantly with a QR code. Who knew they could be so dangerous? So, you know, I no longer use them at restaurants. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you still use them. I don't. I just go right to the menu online. I go to the restaurant's website. How did you know what I was going to say? I mean, come on. Because you're a genius and I'm, no, I'm like that's not genius. your follower. No, it's so simple. You go to a restaurant. If they don't have physical menus and they want you to order, pull the menu up on a QR code. Instead, go to the restaurant's website, click on the link for their menu, and look at it there. But don't do it from the QR code because the security standards that need to be in place, no one thought of criminals using this underlying weakness in the architecture to steal from you. And remember, oh, the package thing, I got distracted. Don't ever click on a link in any text or email you receive saying that any delivery in any method is late or they had a missed delivery or whatever, even if you were expecting a package from whoever, and particularly any that say FedEx, UPS, whatever, never click on those. Go to the website involved. That's your safest place, but never the link in that message you receive because that's where it could overwhelmingly be And for parking or anywhere else where they're asking you to download an app, just go to your app store and search for it and look for the correct logo so you don't get into that trouble. Never park anywhere you have to pay for parking. There you go. Tom in Idaho says, Clark, I begged my wife not to buy from Timu. It took exactly 24 hours for our email to be bombarded with Timu spam and hacking attempts. What are your thoughts about safety here? No more purchases. I'm nervous about personal data security and, of course, cannot now stop the onslaught. So, Tom, eventually they give up. I did those three orders from Timu to be able to talk about it on the podcast and have not ordered from them since I did those three orders. And at first, you're right, I was getting bombarded constantly. I can't remember the last time Timu was spamming me with text. But it wasn't hacking, right? It was just mainly just spam. Like no, it's just spam. Of, yeah. Endless spam. So it's different than a hack where Timu was like, by now you get all these things for free or whatever, anything. Did you ever do Timu and get spammed? I've never bought there. Wow. Wow. The most aggressive I've ever seen 
from any seller ever in my life is how aggressive Timu is. But finally, they seem to leave you alone just with time. The prices are really crazy cheap, but there's a lot of baggage that comes with that behind the scenes. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of child labor issues and things like that with them. Nora, And we don't know if any of that's true, by right. the way. Nora in Florida says, my husband and I listen to your podcast every morning while drinking our coffee outside our house. That's so nice. We just received a letter from our previous mortgage lender. The letter states that my husband's information has been compromised, and I would assume mine too. The lender is offering to enroll us with a credit monitoring company. Our credit has been frozen for a while. What do you advise? And we heard from someone else the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is corporate standard 101. All of the big corporate law firms have said, well, to limit your liability, you send everybody a letter and tell them you'll pay for credit monitoring for two years. And that's the standard industry playbook. And it's a joke because credit monitoring is uh, pretty much useless. You've already done the smart thing is you've frozen your credit. And that is the right thing to do. Here's the problem, though, as now i got to put a little paranoia on you. Depending on how deep the dive of data that's been compromised at the mortgage lender, think about everything you give to a mortgage lender. Your tax returns obviously your social security number, on and on and on. Their deep dive data on you is so severe that it allows a criminal to have so much knowledge about you, they may even be able to unlock your credit freeze. So what I'd like you, the two of you to do, is if you don't have a Credit Karma account now, I want you to temporarily thaw your credit files for just the day set up Credit Karma dashboards for both of you and use Credit Karma's free credit monitoring that will go on for a long time. And you'll know immediately if somebody has been able to successfully evade your credit freeze and apply for something as if they're you. Of the credit breaches that you should be most concerned about, two are directly like the Equifax one where they got to the heart of the credit data systems that Equifax had on more than half of American adults and a mortgage lender. I mean, those are the two worst you can have. Wayne in New York says, I have a drip set on one of the stocks in my Roth IRA. We we used to talk about drip plans all the time. We never hear about them anymore. I could potentially go over the maximum investment allowed for the year, or would that not be a consideration considered money I deposited? For example, if I invest up to the limit, in my case, 8,000 per year, and I receive a dividend, which is reinvested into the stock, could I be in jeopardy of investing too much? If so, what are the consequences and penalties? I use E-Trade to invest outside of my company's 401k. I enjoy the podcast on my way to work each morning. Best advice ever, dry your razor blades. See, look look how cleanly I'm shaved. <laughs> I'm trying to remember how old this blade is. I Are you not using your electric razor anymore? Well, so for the podcast, television, anything like that, I still use a traditional razor. So it's been going on and on and on because it's used only a couple of days a week. Anyway, uh, Wayne, back to your question as I get distracted so easily by anything. So dividend reinvestment plans. Before all the discount and free stock trading and all that, Drip plans were a big, big, big deal. So the rules on a drip plan go way back. And I know saying drip plan is redundant. That's like saying ATM machine. Anyway, that's how people refer to them. Uh, You were able, 
with the drip to put in the 8,000, receive dividends, and the dividends, because they are where the dividends purchase additional shares, it's money already in the drip, already in the IRA, it does not put you over your $8,000 limit for your IRA, for your Roth. So you're good. You don't have to worry about it. And I'm so glad that I saved you so much money on razor blades because of how much Gillette blades cost that you're able to come up with $8,000 every year to put into the drip. It's crazy. I was in Costco last night picking up a prescription and it's right by where the razor blades are. And they had this display with all the Gillette stuff. And it was funny because I saw how much the Gillette blade pack was. And I was like, I'm not trying to buy a Gillette razor blade plan. I'm just trying to buy the blades. They charge so much. It's like you're buying the whole plant. So uh, obviously, I haven't ever used Gillette blades. And I wouldn't and couldn't because who would ever want to spend all that money? So a little editorial there, Gillette. Do you really have to charge that much money to people? And if you are hooked on Gillette, try another brand. And if it works, think how much money you're going to save. Enough said. Coming up ahead, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile. Get up every morning. T-Mobile's not the uncarrier anymore. That's over. And they try to figure out how to pick your pocket more and more every day. So know that if you travel overseas, that's when they're going to put the world to hurt on you. And there are easy alternatives I want to share with you. We need to talk. When you travel outside the United States and you just take your cell phone with you, you can end up with bills that can be in the thousands of dollars for using your phone outside the United States. T-Mobile gives you five gigs of data. When that runs out, you can buy more data from them. It's pretty expensive data, though. With AT&T, Verizon, you can buy an international plan from them before you go. If you're going somewhere just for a few days or whatever, and you don't want complexity in your life, you can just buy that. You can use Wi-Fi at your hotel or whatever to hold the data down. Just know the data they offer, all of them, very, very expensive now. So what are the alternatives? First, if your phone is locked to your cell phone carrier, if you're in some kind of, oh, I got a great deal getting my phone on a two-year, three-year payment plan, from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, they have made you their prisoner, and you are stuck with their plans. You cannot do the bargain thing. So if you have an old phone in your house, it still works. Let's say your iPhone, you have an old iPhone that's unlocked, or an old Android. If you're Android, you charge them up, you take them, and when you get to where you're going, unless you're phone that you normally use is unlocked. Buy a SIM card when you get to where you're going. And if your phone takes a digital SIM, you can do an eSIM. It doesn't, it's a physical SIM. In most any country in big cities, you can buy a SIM at a little shop right on the street. You'll be paying so little for data, it'll shock you. 
And so you'll be able to do everything on the data backbone. That means for iPhone customers, you're doing everything over iMessage or FaceTime or whatever. And then it's pretty seamless for whoever you're communicating with back in the U.S. or anywhere. Local calling is generally going to be free with that SIM card. But some people get intimidated by that and they'll go buy at a website, a travel website, they'll see, oh, I can buy a SIM for Europe or I can buy a SIM, you know, for going to Thailand or whatever. And I don't want to have to worry about when when I get there. So you buy it in the United States before you go. You're going to be shocked how much more you're paying doing that than just doing it when you get to where you're going. It's really easy, especially if your phone takes an eSIM. And people in other countries, this is what they do. They'll see a deal with a different company than what they've been using where they live, and they'll just buy the other one that month. I mean, whoever's got the best deal. It's just we're so psychologically locked in in the United States to being with these three behemoths. But in the rest of the world, people play hard to get. And when you do travel with an unlocked phone, buying local data is the way to go. Krista? This question's from Barry in Florida. My girlfriend and I are traveling to Ireland in April and want to purchase travel insurance. Our major concern is my girlfriend's mother and sister. Mom is turning 90 in February and is in a nursing home. Sister has cancer and has just been oh, told man. she has about six months to live. Ugh. Can we get insurance to reimburse us for the trip if we have to cancel the trip to attend a funeral? Also, which company do you recommend? Barry, my heart goes out to both you and your girlfriend. Mm -hmm. These are tough circumstances. Um, The travel insurance industry has very strict rules on pre-existings. Sister has cancer. is facing a countdown of maybe just half a year. You don't know how it's going to play. The travel insurance companies will not cover that pre-existing condition. With the one exception, if you bought a trip and bought the trip insurance within, depending on the policy, same day or within three days or seven days of the purchase of the trip, then depending on the policy, pre-existing conditions are covered. Otherwise, they're not, you know, with a covered circumstance, a covered individual. So you may be in a situation, you say you're going in April, you probably have already bought the trip and you may be outside the time that you can buy a policy that will cover the pre-existing. In the case of the mom turning 90, hopefully the mom having reached 90 will continue to live for a good period of time. In that case, there's no stated, you didn't state any pre-existing condition other than age. The insurer might fight you on it, but that would not necessarily be a problem. So the alternative, and you'll see this if you go to one of the multi-cert sites, the biggest insuremytrip.com, but there are others as well other than insure my trip. But what you're going to have to look for likely is cancel for any reason coverage that will get you back, depending on the policy, by 50%, 60%, or 75% of the cost of the trip for canceling for any reason. Now, cancel for any reason insurance 
depending on the policy, if your trip is already underway, you have to terminate your trip and come back early. It may or may not cover it. That's why on a multi-insurance site, you can't look at the brochure that gives you all the good stuff about a policy. Before you buy it, you have to read the actual terms and conditions and see how insure for any reason would cover something like a tragic loss of a relative's life. And I hope that you can go on the trip, everything's fine, you get back, but if you do not, you're in a circumstance that it's like threading a needle buying trip insurance. And we do explain insure my trip. I know we have a review of that at Clark.com slash insure my trip. Peter in Pennsylvania says, I was introduced to Clark many years ago through HLN TV work, and I've been a Clarky ever since. You should be extremely proud for the positive impact you've brought to so many and for the amazing community that you've built. While you have touched on areas of this topic in the past, I wanted to see if you could speak to planning for health insurance during retirement. I'm currently 46, so this is a little on the horizon. I consider myself to be a decent saver as I max up my 401k and contribute to a Roth IRA. However, one aspect of retirement planning that really scares me is adequate health care coverage. Will Medicare be enough? Should I automatically assume I'll need a supplemental plan? My parents have a supplemental plan, but this sounds so expensive. I often wonder if an HSA is the best option for planning now. With this option, I also wonder if HSA funds could be applied to the supplemental premiums in retirement. So at 46, who knows what the rules are going to be at 65, if that's still the Medicare eligible age by the time you would hit your 60s. But it is something that a lot of people aren't aware of, is in addition to being given Medicare Part A, which is for hospital, Medicare Part B, you have a premium for. And the premium adjusts based on your income and retirement and can be a substantial sum. You also have to either go into a Medicare plan that's known as an, a disadvantaged plan, also known as an advantage plan, has about half of people now are going into uh, disadvantaged plans and get upset, sore at me when I call them disadvantaged plans because they may love it. There's been a lot of problems with those. Or you buy a Medigap policy from a private insurer, expensive, and you buy a Medicare Part D prescription drug plan. So yes, it is expensive. I would say that the HSA is the fair weather, all weather plan. If you are HSA eligible because of the health insurance you have now in your 40s, regardless of what the rules are down the road, you want an HSA plan because it is the greatest savings plan ever, ever, because you get an upfront tax deduction, the money grows tax-free, and is spent tax-free on eligible medical expenses. I'm not even going to fathom a guess what eligible medical expenses will be in your 60s, 70s, and 80s by the time you get there. I can tell you the HSA will play a great role for you, and I love them. As for whether you go into a disadvantaged plan, uh, you're going to be pitched advantage plans all the time if you're in your uh, if you're 63, 64 years old, approaching age 65. Know that they claim to be absolutely wonderful. There's so many scandals involving people being denied care or proper care in disadvantaged plans. You need to know that every time somebody pitches you an advantage plan, remember disadvantage. And maybe in your financial situation, you're only 
viable options go into a disadvantage plan. But no, they come with extreme limits on care that do not exist in traditional Medicare. If you can afford the premiums on Part B, Part D, and a Medigap plan, do it. Don't do a disadvantaged plan. Elizabeth in Wisconsin wrote in. I thought this, this would lighten us up a little. This Christmas, our son gave us a gift of a framed photograph of Clark Howard because he says my husband and I are always quoting his advice. It's a very nice frame and an attractive photo. How long must we have it in our living room? <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to have a great day, you don't want my ugly mug Stop. <laughs> staring at you in your living room. So I would move it right away and I'd put it in a closet or something like that. Don't I you think that people should t- do a wallet size picture of you and put it in their wallet when they go to spend money? Oh, have it right in front of their credit card credit cards. That's perfect guilt. Would Clark really want me to mm-hmm. spend money? What would Clark it? do? WWCD. Oh man, that's a really cute idea mm-hmm. for me to like, we can do that. You've got some shot of me. We use sometimes on social media, me standing yeah. there fr- frowning mm-hmm. and uh, we could have, have it with like somebody going to spend money I and like I'm it. just frowning. We need to get that on the website so people can print it out. We'll have to work okay, on that. Okay, that's cute. So, oh, and on the HLN show, it was mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I completely forgot. It was more than 15 years ago that we started that show at HLN, 15, 16 years and that was such a labor of love. I love doing the Clark Howard show that we did at HLN. And the, the team we worked with was unreal. And to this day, so many of us stay in touch with each other yep, because we, we had such a wonderful time working together. And they were a great, great team. And they've all gone on to bigger and better things elsewhere <laughs> in the world. And it was just one of those moments in life, those, this was like three and a half years, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever we did that show, we helped a lot of people during the great recession. And I had this privilege of working with so many wonderful people. One of them teaches at your son's high school now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. One so. of them is a doctor. One's a doctor in Salt Lake. Yeah. They're scattered mm-hmm. hither and yon doing really neat things. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Remember what we're about. Save more, spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off.